The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. As we do every week, we'll start with industry news. Companies and brands you'll hear about today, Hormel, Hershey's, Walmart, Aldi, and more. And the news is brought to us by Just Food, Supermarket News, and Specialty Food. Hormel Foods reported higher third quarter profits and raised its full year outlook despite a near 50% reduction in earnings in its Genio turkey business due to the impact of the avian influenza. The U.S. company said uh, group operating profit rose 5.3% to $236.6 million in the period to July 26th. Profit growth was propelled by a near 80% increase in earnings at its specialty foods business as well as near 60% rise in operating profit at its grocery division. These gains offset a 45.4% reduction in Genio profits, which Hormel attributed to the negative impact of the bird flu outbreak that has swept the U.S. in recent months. Our balanced business model prevailed once again in this quarter, and we're able to overcome the significant challenge of the influenza in our Genio Turkey store segment to deliver record earnings and volume sales, said Jeffrey Ettinger, Chairman, President, and CEO. Grocery products drove earnings growth with favorable input cost and increased sales of Hormel Chili and Skippy Peanut Butter. Specialty foods also delivered excellent results as the team continues to increase its muscle milk protein nutrition products and improve the cost structure and synergies between our Crytoport and Century Food businesses. I'm sorry, that's Cytosport. Blue Bell Creameries has announced plans to start redistribution of its ice cream to select markets following the recent listeria outbreak that rocked its U.S. business. The company said it's notified the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and state health officials in Alabama and Texas of its plan to re-enter select markets on a limited basis from and starting July 31st. In April, Bluebell announced it was pulling all ice cream products from the market after its products were linked to fatal listeria. Over the past several months, we've been working to make our facilities even better and to ensure that everything we produce is safe, 
wholesome, and of the highest quality for you to enjoy, said Ricky Dixon, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Bluebell. The Bluebell production facility in Alabama began producing ice cream in late July. Additional production facilities in Texas and Oklahoma are still undergoing facility and production process upgrades. Bluebell said it will re-enter parts of 15 states in five phases. The first phase will include uh, Brenham, Houston, and Austin, Texas areas, as well as parts of Alabama, where the product is being made. This will be followed by North and Central Texas, Southern Oklahoma, Southwest Texas, Central Oklahoma, majorities of Texas, Louisiana, before finishing out with the fifth phase, that is Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, North Mexico, New Mexico, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. Bluebell said it will move on to each phase based on product availability and when it can properly service the customers in the area. Hershey's move to buy out its partner in Brazil from their venture in that country has been approved by local competition officials. The move will give Hershey, which held a 50% share in the business, to the rest of the shares of the venture. The two companies set up the venture in 2008. Spokesmen for Hershey said they told the Reese's makers at the end of 2014 that it wanted to sell 49% stake in this business at an equal value, equal or fair market value. Financial details were not disclosed. Brazil is a key focus market for Hershey, and acquiring the remaining interests in the JV or joint venture gives us greater control to continue growing our brands as well as reflects our commitment to the key market. After North America, Hershey's target market is China. The company classes Brazil as one of three focus markets alongside Mexico and India. General Mills has launched a dinner-focused brand, The Good Table, in the U.S. The new product line features and includes gourmet-style sauce, crust mixes for chicken and fish, which comes into four restaurant-inspired flavors, three for chicken, Parmesan and herb, with Parmesan and herb, Southwest tortilla, and Thai peanut, and lemon and herb for fish. The range is free from, our, from monosodium glutamate, artificial flavors, high fructose corn syrup, and colors, and from, from no artificial sources, General Mills said. The Good Table line of products illustrates the latest in General Mills' continued innovation and high-quality family food solutions, said Michael Bordinger, Associate Manager at General Mills. Their flavorful, convenient way to bring the family together, the Good Table deepens our commitment to following our consumers' tastes and interests, offering a nutritious way for consumers to make great tasting, restaurant-style meals at home. The products will have a suggested retail value of $2.99 and are available at Walmart stores and select retailers nationwide. Kroger on Tuesday announced the establishment of two supermarket divisions, a Dallas subdivision and a Houston division. Previously, both markets were served as part of Kroger's Southwest division. Kroger also announced that Dana Zercher has been promoted to serve as the president of the company's new Dallas division. Bill Bretz will have been serving the president of the Southwest division since 2002, will continue to oversee operations in Texas and Louisiana for the remainder of the year. Kroger is committed to growing and serving our customers in the great state of Texas and is important Louisiana market, said Rodney McCullen, Kroger's chairman and CEO. The company has previously outlined capital investment plans of approximately $700 million in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and $500 million in Houston over the next three years. We see opportunities for growth in both Dallas and Houston, thanks in large part to Bill's leadership over the past 13 years. This move will bring resources closer to our store's teams, our store teams, customers, and communities. Kroger's new Dallas division includes 105 stores in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and the Shreveport, Louisiana, and Alexandria, Louisiana areas. 
Aldi, the nation's the, the food retailer demonstrating new possibilities for the limited assortment discount format, has been selected as this year's winner of the Retail Achievement Awards by Supermarket News. The award presented annually since 2003 recognizes an outstanding accomplishment by a retailer that boosts its business and serves as an example to the wider industry. Aldi is this year's recipient based upon its success expanding its range and its reach. Aldi has adapted its product mix to reflect consumer needs. Responding to changing consumer preferences, Aldi has reinvented its private label range behind on-trend offerings such as gluten-free, clean ingredients, and black label specialty products, and has expanded fresh, including organic produce at market-leading prices. These new offerings have improved sales volume as well as Aldi's appeal to a wider swath of the population. Kroger's back in the news again, new click and collect offering now going by the name of ClickList is off to a flying start at pilot stores in Cincinnati, according to an analyst. Our key takeaways is that the offering is proving more popular than anticipated for customers and makes money for Kroger and therefore provides an economically viable means for efficient digital shopping. Andrew Wolf, an analyst with BB&T Capital Markets, said in a research note on Friday, Wolf based his report on a visit with company officials and a tour of the Kroger's Liberty Township, Ohio store, which recently launched ClickList. ClickList improves on the efficiency of the express lane services offered at sister chains Harris Teeter, Wolf said, as part of the incorporating technology capable of processing higher volume and simultaneous picking of six orders at a time versus just one at Harris Teeter. Additionally, the Liberty Township store improves flow by incorporating a drive-up window at the rear of the store. Higher expenses for investments in e-commerce and the workforce triggered a 15.1% decline, again, a decline in the second quarter earnings for Walmart stores, the retailer said on Tuesday. The results, which were lower than the company or analysts had anticipated, accompanied a lower forecast for earnings for the remainder of the fiscal year. Revenues for the period, which ended July 31st, totaled $120.2 billion, down by 1.1% from the same period a year ago. Declining fuel prices triggered an overall sales decrease, but same-store sales and profitability for tops markets, including a fiscal second quarter, according to parent company Tops Holding in Williamsville, New York. Profits as percent of sales as percent of sales increased a full percentage point to 29%, reflecting more profitable fuel sales and a healthier margin mix. More than 150 entrepreneurs packed into a loft space at the meetings of at Brooklyn's Gowanus Canal on August 11th for their latest food and tech meeting. Dining on data, future of cooking, eating and running a food business. Food Tech Connect, a platform for news events and education around the intersection of food and technology, organized the event. The agenda focused on how companies are using information to create new flavor pairings, enhancing chefs' understandings of what and how diners like to eat, and bringing a new relevance to social media. Here are four takeaways. Comment cards are back. That's correct. Remember going to a chain restaurant when you were a kid and rating your grilled cheese experience by checking off boxes with a golf pencil on a pre-printed survey card? Dinner Lab is different, but its platform built on the idea of food back. feedback. It allows chefs to try new ideas with groups of diners and get direct one-on-one comments on their dishes. Takeaway number two, data's role in flavor combinations. When Cedric Penner of Food Pairing took the stage at Dining on Data, he asked members in the audience to reach under the chair and remove a small plastic item. 
Hold your nose with one hand and open the plastic with the other, he said. Then pour the contents in your mouth. What do you taste? Nothing, he said to the attendees that unplugged their nose. The audience did and smelled cinnamon. 80%, his point, 80% of taste is aroma. Food pairing uses scientific data on the, the aromatic compounds in food to create uncommon pairings that magically work together, like pineapple and blue cheese. Go figure. Takeaway number three, Instagram may fuel the world's largest recipe book. The company handpicked knows how many likes your Instagram photos are getting, and it's using that social data to fuel a giant ingredient pairing and dish recommendation platform. After analyzing around 1 billion social food posts and comparing images, hashtags, and other elements, the team has managed to turn Instagram into what it calls the world's largest recipe book. With Handpick, you can browse what's trending on food sites. You can do a visual search for more than 2 million recipes based on food photos. And if you live in the San Francisco area, you can even order the ingredients you'll need to make your own meals. And finally, the fourth takeaway, custom recipes give way to one-of-a-kind versions. IBM Watson, that's right, IBM Watson is a cognitive computing system that is able to understand natural language create and test hypotheses and learn based upon experience. Also, Watson thinks you should have blueberry, black tea, chicken, garlic tacos for dinner tonight. That's right. Okay, folks, it's time for a short break, and we're going to come back with our guest for the today's program. Hold on and sit tight. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. 
If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back to Ditch the Box, everybody. We're pleased to have with us, all the way from the greater Boston area, Jeremy Johnson, National Sales Manager with Encore Specialty Food. Encore Specialty Food started in 2004, and the business is based on interpreting U.S. food trends, finding and qualifying food suppliers to fulfill those trends, and, comp- and creating complete product lines that can reach consumers through a national, national series of food service and retail distributors and their retail and food service customers. Jeremy, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, David. So you said it was raining up there in the in suburban uh, Boston. These these no, you've had rain. So it actually was today was it was a decent day. Is that correct? Yep, finally cleared up, which is nice. We had a few days of rain, but uh, but yeah, looking good now. And and how are our paths going to do this year? Uh, we think they're going to be. Uh, we think they're going to repeat for sure. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Well, I know in Cleveland where we're based, we don't have any chance. So we have to root for the Pats, my second team. So there you go. There you go. So we know the Pats are going to be in the thick of things, and we certainly know the Browns won't be, but oh well, that's just the way it goes around here. So let's focus on the beginning, if you will. Now, Encore Specialty Foods was founded by your dad in 2004. Is that right? Yeah, it was founded by my father, Ron Johnson, um, in 2004. Uh, Encore is actually uh, his third food company that he started, um, which is why we call the company Encore, because we're doing it again. Um, he started uh, uh, his career in the food business in 1978 as an agent for French cheese companies, um, selling to uh, cheese distributors all over the U.S., um, then branched out beyond cheese to other French products such as olives and foie gras and escargot, Dijon mustards, things like that. Um, at that time, the company was called France America. Um, and then eventually expanded into uh, other Mediterranean countries, such as Fran- uh, Italy, Spain, Greece, um, and called the company Gourmet America at that part because the uh, the product selection had uh, gone beyond just France. So, and again, the Gourmet America was was pretty much how this evolved from um, initially was the, the the you were saying that the products from France and then it kind of went into some other some other Mediterranean areas. Now, were that was that very uh, we talking about um, finished products are, are canned you know canned goods, jars of olives, that kind of stuff. What kind of products were back in those days? Yeah, exactly. So. Um yeah, the French products that were coming in at the time, um, like I said, olives, uh, Dijon mustards, um, escargot, truffles, truffle oils, uh, French wine vinegars, cornichon at the time, and um, some of those traditional uh, French delicacies. But nothing was bulk and you guys were repackaging. This was, this was stuff that was kind of like already packaged and you were, um, and, and again, at Gourmet America at that point was, was, was repping those firms, bringing the stuff over here to, to sell in the U.S. and North America. Is, is that right? Yeah. So everything that, uh, that we were importing at the time, and, and it's the same uh, today at Encore, every, everything that we import uh, is finished goods, packaged goods. Uh, the suppliers in the respective uh, Mediterranean countries uh, will package all the products, and we import them in full containers over here to the U.S. 
Now, that's interesting. I, before we dig into a lot of that stuff, especially with Encore, because this is fascinating to me, tell me, you know, I, I'm sure you've had these conversations over the years with your dad, but, you know, why France? Why French products? Was there a, was there a culinary kind of a, a side to him back in the day? What, you know, how did, the, how did that even start? Yeah, really, really two aspects, uh, I think, in, in his life brought him into this business. Number one is his uh, love for the French language. Um, and he's, uh, today he's fluent in French. He's been fluent in French for many years. He started nice. speaking French uh, at a very young age um, and just kind of had a knack for it, uh, I think, from the start. And then has worked at it uh, throughout his life. He, he uh, has a passion for the language and speaking the language with his friends in France. Um, you know, today it, it's uh, easier to do that with Skype and other things like that, which sure. is great. Being able to check in with the uh, the French suppliers, and then the uh, the culinary aspect that you mentioned. Um, one of his other passions is cooking, and again, that's that's something that uh, you know has gone back throughout his life. Uh, he's always loved to cook. Um, my mom's a great cook as well, uh, <laughs> but my dad, uh, you know, lo- loves to cook all the meals at home if possible. Um, oh so I think kind of the combination of those two things brought him to uh, brought him to you know importing products from France and representing uh, French companies to start his career. You know, and it's and it's a good good follow on question of that because you know underneath all that the culinary underneath all that the French um, you know is 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 love of the French language and the French culture, if you will, is a classic entrepreneur. I mean, do you has he ever shared with you what what he saw at that point? Was there very little uh, representation or good representation of French products at the time in the U.S.? Was that you know is that kind of how that evolved? Yeah, I mean, to to start his career in the cheese industry, um, he actually uh, basically stumbled upon some French people uh, here in the United States that were having trouble finding their way around. Uh, they were looking for uh, a Holiday Inn hotel, and um, uh, his his former uh, career was with Holiday Inns, and so. Uh, he was checking into a hotel. These, these French guys were trying to do the same, but were having trouble with their reservation. He was able to help them out and point them in the direction to another holiday and location on the same street in the same town that they you know, wouldn't have been able to find. Right. So they were, they were very thankful, very grateful, and uh, wanted to take him out for a drink. They did that, um, and they explained that, uh, that they were in the United States uh, looking... Uh, to sell their their cheeses from France, um, so you know they needed help in the United States. They didn't know much about the country or you know where to go with these products. Um, and I think, uh, like you said, you know he saw an opportunity there uh, where he could help them um, bring their products to the U.S. And and at the time there were not a lot of uh, cheeses like this being being imported. And I think he'll agree, and I'm sure you you know this as well. The French are very, very particular, and when they want something, it's got to be that particular thing. Um, yeah, whether that's truffle oil or a type of cheese, they're not going to settle for something that tastes like it or looks like it. They've got to have that thing. That's fascinating. Absolutely. What a cool story. Yep. I'll be darned. The Holiday Inn was the tie-in. Oh man. Exactly. Yeah. 
Now, the products you guys are selling at Encore, um, and you and I are chatting a little earlier, I mean, these are not your run-of-the-mill everyday items, such as the caper berries and sherry vinegar, even the truffle oil we talked about. Is there, again, I know your dad with the gourmet chef, so to speak, is that your holiday kind of like your mom and dad fighting over each other, who's going to cook the holiday meal, or is that something <laughs> that's just kind of, you know, what is that, what is that like? No, we've all kind of taken the back seat uh, and let him let him do his thing because, nice. uh, like I said, it's it's really something that uh, that he loves to do. It's a, it's a hobby for him, right? Um, and something that that he really enjoys, and uh, and we all enjoy uh, eating the delicious meals. Um, but like I said, uh, just have to clarify that my mom is a good cook as well. <laughs> She's listening. She cooked me lunch today, so. Hi, so Mom. Hi, uh, Mom. forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Love you, Mom. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. So, Jeremy, let's take you onto the scene now with Encore. Um, by mm-hmm. the way, that's EncoreFoods.com. How did you come to start working at Encore as national sales manager? So, the, uh, the company was founded in 2004, like we said. And yep. uh, at the time, I was in college at DePaul University in Chicago. And uh, the company was was founded in April of 2004. Uh, so I was uh, getting ready for uh, for my summer um, and making plans for my summer as to what to do, summer jobs, things like that. I had to fulfill an internship uh, requirement uh, with DePaul, and so it seemed like a good opportunity. Um, to uh, not only get some experience working with my dad, but try and help launch this this company. It wasn't a startup. Um, it was really what we like to call, you know, a restart, right. uh, because there was so much momentum uh, coming off of 14 years of, of uh, Gourmet America, uh, which operated uh, from 1990 to 2004. Um, when Encore started. Uh, you know, we had a lot of customers ready to start working with us. We had a lot of suppliers on the other side ready to start working with us. So it was a, a very fast restart. Um, so I, uh, I came back to Massachusetts from Chicago uh, the summer of 2004, worked as an internship, uh, or as an intern rather, uh, basically said, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do here, whether sure. it's, uh, you know, answering phones, making copies, whatever else. We, uh, we went down to the fancy food show in New York sure. uh, that summer, which was great. I remember that um, like it was yesterday. And um, at the end of the summer, um, we, we, my whole family, we all sat down and figured out, uh, you know, am I going to go back to college or uh, stay here and help with the family business? Um, and so we... We kind of decided to compromise, and, and um, I decided that I was going to take a year off of college uh, and continue to work with the company from the uh, fall of 2004 uh, to the fall of 2005. So I did that, and um, then uh, in the fall of 2005, went back to Chicago, uh, finished up my degree at DePaul, and uh, would continue to uh, kind of work part-time as, as I could, uh, would travel from Chicago to uh, customer food shows over sure. to uh, the fancy food shows uh, in, New, in uh, San Francisco uh, in January and then overseas for supplier food shows. So always kind of staying involved uh, somewhat in the business. 
as much as I could. And then in 2007, when I graduated, I moved back to Massachusetts and rejoined the company full-time as national sales manager. Good for you, man. That has just been, I mean, again... A, two of my favorite cities. You've got Boston, of course, Chicago with DePaul. I mean, you can't go yep. wrong there one way or the other. But, um, Jeremy, we're gonna, I've got so many more questions to ask. We're going to take a short sure. break just because I know if I ask you some of the questions like the trends and how you guys spot trends and things, I think that's going to take us way past our break time. So I'm just going to um, uh, cut early for a quick break, and then we can kind of uh, come back after that and, uh, and really dig in because this is just fascinating how you guys um, do your business, and, and uh, I'm excited to have you here. So, folks, sit back, uh, stay tuned, and we're going to be right back. Time for a short break. Thanks. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So, what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So, what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear, and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no, and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or, you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. listening to Ditch the Box with David Maranak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back to Ditch the Box, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking with my friend Jeremy Johnson with Encore Specialty Foods. Now, Jeremy, we're just about to dig into this, and I figured, ah, let's take a quick break. Let's talk about the different products that you import. Now, how do you go about determining what products to even carry, if you will? Um, really, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few things that we do. Uh, I would say number one, first and foremost, is we listen to our customers. Um, and, uh, you know, we're in touch with our customers constantly throughout the day. Uh, and they are either asking us for more products or we are asking them uh, what additional products would you like us to source for you. Um, you know, we've got a great group of distributors throughout the U.S. Uh, that like working with us. We like working with them. So there's a, a trust level 
sure. uh, that we've built up with them over the years um, where, like I said, they can come to us and say, you know what, uh, I'm buying this product, uh, I'm having trouble sourcing it, um, you know, can you guys help me with that, or you guys should really look into this, I'm selling lots of it, or, you know, uh, it's a new trend that I've heard about. So that's one, one way. Uh, the other way uh, that we source new products is looking to our, our current suppliers um, and also new suppliers uh, over in Europe. Um, you know, we, we kind of rely on, on them to, uh, to help us um, find, you know, new things, let us know about uh, trends over on, on that side of the world. Uh, that we can bring over to the U.S. And so, again, we're, you know, in constant contact with, uh, with current suppliers, new suppliers. And then we're also uh, over in Europe uh, frequently throughout the year at trade shows uh, or visiting companies looking for new things. I think that's really fascinating because I was just having a conversation, as you know, in, in, in my real life, we're in the packaging business, and, and we were having a conversation with a gal that was originally from Russia, and we were talking packaging, talking shop, but she was saying how um, often trends that are happening in Europe, even Asia for that matter, in certain styles of packaging really haven't kind of taken hold, if you will, here in the U.S. And it seems to be like we even guesstimated that it was like this five-year span before some Something that's hot in in Europe eventually trickles down to even getting interest, if you will, in the U.S. Are you finding something like that where you, you know, say you spot a trend on some new truffle oil. I, I don't want to, you know, I apologize if I'm totally killing it, but um, some new product, if you will. And do you have, I, I would imagine, you know, back to your, da- your dad's days with Gourmet America, but do you... Do you guys kind of have this brainstorm and go, you know what, I think this is really going to take off? I mean, what kind of time frame do you think when you find something maybe that's popular in Europe that actually will take hold here in the States? Well, it takes us uh, a long time just to get the product uh, to market. Um, you know, if we find something uh, in Europe that we think is, is going to be a hit, uh, there's a couple different ways we can go about it. Uh, one, one thing that we can do is, uh, you know, we get samples of the product uh, and we get all the information together, including uh, costs uh, and, you know, get the packaging together, get right. the branding together, and present the products to some key customers either at the fancy food shows uh, or during customer visits, sales calls, things like that. Um, you know, we're, like I said, we're, we've got a nice open line of communication with our customers so we can say to them, hey, we're thinking about bringing in uh, this new product line. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it tastes like. This is what it's going to cost. Um, what do you think? And um, so, you know, the feedback from our, from our customers on things like that is really invaluable. I mean, even if they don't say, yes, put me down for, you know, two pallets as soon as it comes in, if they say, you know, I think that's a great idea, or, well, it's good, but I would do this, or, you know, I think it's a little too salty or needs more salt or whatever, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, again, you know, relying on our partnership with them uh, is, is very helpful. And you'll take that information, it's too salty or it needs more salt or whatever it is, and you have that kind of, I guess you could say, leeway or relationship, uh, and this is strictly a compliment, to be able to go back 
to a supplier or uh, even saying, look, if you want this to go here in the States, we need a little saltier. Does that, is that a reasonable kind of statement? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a long process to, to get the product, you know, from the time that we, that we see an initial product that we say, okay, this, this is interesting or could be interesting. There's a lot of tweaking that goes on, uh, including, uh, you know, recipe, uh, changes, uh, from things, uh, you know, as simple as this is too salty and it, and it, you know, you need to bring it down or it needs a little bit more salt or, uh, you know, um, we import a lot of olives. So, uh, you know, we'd like some oil in the brine with the olives or right. less oil. Uh, and, um, you know, as part of the vetting process in terms of working with a new supplier, uh, we've got to be, we've got to make sure that we're working with suppliers that uh, not only are willing but are able to, to meet the demands of the market. Uh, that's really the most important thing. So, you know, if we come back to a supplier and say, you know, this is too salty for the American market, and the supplier says, well, I'm sorry, that's, that's all I can give you, and that's not a good fit for us. It's not a good right. fit for our customers. You right. know, we, we rely on partnerships and relationships in Europe where the supplier is going to say, uh, or where they're going to be flexible enough uh, to provide us with, with what's going to sell here. Well, you made a, uh, another good comment as far as A, being flexible, but B, it's that partnership. And it's so important in anyone's business to be able to kind of, you know, it's, it does you no good if you can spot a trend and and be able to capitalize on it if you can't find the right supplier to kind of follow up on it or to be able to deliver when that, when that comes through. Yeah, I was totally. talking with somebody the other day. And uh, we were chatting about dealing with Walmart, which I'm, uh, you know, the major, the big 900-pound gorilla out there. And he was saying something along the lines of when he would close a deal, for example, if everything went perfectly with Walmart, um, say, for example, they had an agreement, they had a meeting in January. He really couldn't start shipping product until probably September, October. That's that as long as the cycle that he had in his kind of food world. Is that something similar to you guys? Is that you'd mentioned length of time and things? Are we talking about that six month kind of kind of period once you kind of finally get something dialed in to really kind of get it on a store shelf? Um, it kind of depends. Uh, you know, it depends project to project and, and product to product. Right. Uh, I, I think it depends on how much customization we need um, on a project. So, you know, uh, obviously, you know, we inventory a lot of product here in the U.S., so if we've got a customer that's, that's looking at our catalog and says, okay, you know, I'd, I'd like to move forward with this product, uh, we can turn it around pretty quickly. When they say, I like this product, but, uh, you know, I need my own label on it, or... Um, you know, I'd like to make some recipe adjustments or whatever, whatever uh, the case may be. Uh, six months is probably a pretty good estimate. Um, I mean, shipping from Europe, uh, just the shipping probably takes about eight weeks when we're considering sure. uh, the time on the water, the, the order being processed at the manufacturer and everything else. Yeah, we figure... Right. At the time that we place a PO uh, with a supplier and the, the day that it's in our warehouse ready for a customer to pick up is approximately eight weeks, and that varies a little bit uh, country to country. 
Yeah, and that, and again, it's it, it does knowing that knowing that world as well. I mean, it's you're dealing with a kind of a float in there of give or take a week or two, and and you got to yeah. be prepared for those for those kind of swings. Now, one of the things you had mentioned, and we were chatting a little bit before, but um, statistics, online data. You know, a lot of your stuff, and we were chatting at the break that you guys do the fancy food, among other things, but the fancy food in New York, and also the fancy food in San Francisco, among other shows. But is there such thing as online data that you guys are able to kind of pull or follow and track to see if some sort of a, you know, I, I know there's that word of mouth that you find the new type of uh, peppercorn is really hot in Europe or whatever. But is there any online data that you guys kind of see or kind of comb through to kind of spot any trends? Just throwing this out there. Not much. Um, I think most of the, you know, data that's out there, uh, uh you know, kind of relates more to um, commodity-oriented right. items, and our, you know, our uh, kind of niche is uh, real, really more specialty items. So, I think uh, for the type of items that we have, you know, it really is more word of mouth and working with our customers, and not only our customers but their customers uh, to see what the trends are, what they're looking for. So. You know what that means is you know our our customers are distributors right um, all over the u s but their customers are chefs uh, their retailer owners and operators and so you know you know that uh, that group there has you know even more of a finger on the pulse of what the consumer is looking for um, because they're really on the front line um, so we we really work more with uh with the word of mouth side than we do uh, looking at statistics of, you know, how many people, uh, you know, yeah. eat crackers in this part of the country or, or things like that. And the specialty stuff is, uh, you know, that you're you're right on with that, too. The more specialized you get, you can't really follow, you know, statistical data. Per se. I mean, yeah, you can look at it and sure, I'm sure there's some stuff out there. But but really, it's uh, some of it's going to come with that word of mouth. It's going to be coming with the chefs like you're dealing with. And that's I think you're spot on because we face that same thing. Now, let me ask you a quick yep. question before we we wrap up this segment. Dude, these are flying through. So I'm really grateful. It's just a this is a fun interview because I'm a foodie. Number one, a I'm a huge fan of Encore Specialty Foods, and I could talk food all day long. So this is this is great. So thank you for making this easy. But once you finally kind of identify a product, now, how do you go about finding the best supplier? I mean, because, you know, it's, this is a, you know, this is a global market we're talking about. And you're certainly, you know, in Boston area, and I know we've traveled overseas, and I know your dad has a lot of experience with that too. But how do you go about finding the right supplier? It's one thing to have a great product, and you, you discover that. But, you know, you've got to be able to fill those orders, and you've got to be able to make sure you get your product on time when you've got to ship that product to that specialty retailer. And, you know, that's where you could really make or break, frankly, the whole company if you don't have a good supplier. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is uh, 100% accurate. And um, you know, like I said, it's it's a long process. It's not an easy process. And it's uh, you know, we take our time um, selecting our partners uh, in Europe. And uh, you know, we we travel over there to uh, meet the people tour the factories, get to know the products. Um, but, you know, it's not just, w- with our type of products, it's not just 
looking at, okay, who's got the lowest price on right. uh, this product? It's uh, where's the product coming from? Who are the people? How do they make it? Um, and really getting enough of a comfort level uh, and a relationship that's built up over time uh, with these people to know that they're going to be able to supply us. Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, like I said, the, the only way to answer it is really uh, working with these guys over time. I mean, you sure. know, there's, a, there's a, a process in terms of meeting uh, some of these companies for the first time, which we do by attending uh, food shows over in Europe um, or working with trade offices throughout the world. Um, but then after that, uh, it's really on us to do our due diligence sure. uh, to make sure that these are reputable companies. Man, I'll tell you, this is, uh, again, our segments are flying by. I've got folks, we're talking with Jeremy Johnson, National Sales Manager of Encore Specialty Foods. Jeremy, I've got one short nine-minute segment. Can you sit tight? Because there's a few more questions I'd love to be able to ask you when we come back from the break. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. I, you're the man. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to wrap things up with Jeremy. So sit back and relax. We'll be right back, everyone. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to David at StandUpPouches.net. That's David at StandUpPouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. 
Welcome back, folks, to our fourth and final segment of the day. We're talking with National Sales Manager of Encore Specialty Foods, Jeremy Johnson. So, Jeremy, you and I met a few years ago at the Fancy Food Show, and that happened to be in New York, and we're talking about this show talks about marketing and selling to retailers, even packaging, if you will. So a few of these these questions are going to kind of focus on these. Now, how many shows, now you'd mentioned you do the San Francisco show and you do the fancy food show. How many U.S.-based shows, other um, fancy food shows, if you're guessing, four, five, two, three in the U.S. or North America, do you guys do in a year? Uh, well, we do both of the fancy food shows, New York and San Francisco, uh, every year. We've done them every year uh, since uh, Encore was incorporated in 2004. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, this year we exhibited at the uh, IDDBA show for the first time, um, and uh, that was a good show for us. Uh, we're launching a number of uh, lines this year that are focused on the deli department, uh, of supermarkets and uh, independent uh, grocery stores, so that Good. was important for us. And uh, beyond that, we probably do about 15 uh, distributor shows throughout the country in a year. Um, so our customers will have their own regional shows where they right. invite their customers um, to to get to know uh, our products uh, better. So we're we're constantly on the road. Um, yep attending those shows, which, uh, which are great. So uh, all, all in told, probably close to 20. Wow. Um, I, I wasn't thinking that much, but that's, that's, a, that's a lot. And, and I was going to follow on with that because, you know, if anyone's seen your booth, it's a pretty extensive booth. This isn't a card table and a few chairs. Are these, um, I, I got to believe that, you know, I'm answering my own question, but, you know, if you're doing 20 of these, that's got to be a pretty effective way for people to learn about your products. Is that correct? So that's an effective yeah. way to kind of really get it out there. Yeah, it, it is an effective way for us. Um, you know, I think uh, these shows, uh, you know, especially the fancy food shows and, and shows like IDDBA uh, uh, have really been instrumental in, in our success over the years. Uh, I mean, we, We've met a lot of great new customers at these shows. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to have some great interaction uh, and discussions and meetings with our current customers, which is invaluable. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's just a chance for uh, the whole industry to come together, uh, meet under one roof, uh, which I think, uh, you know, for our business anyway, uh, has, been, has been great. It seems to really work, and the and, and I agree with you. I, I think it seems to really work in your world. Um, you've got so many specialty products, and you know if you see a, a a selection at your booth of of different oils and and olives and things like that, what better way than to try it? Um, and but what's happening seems to happen in in, in our little world of specialty packaging. Um, sometimes the decision makers aren't being able to really get out there and kind of test the products or see new stuff or whatever it may be and and a lot of that has gone online if you will show me a video show me a you know a white paper or something but I, I agree with you I think in that food especially food business especially um, those trade shows are just you know invaluable because you can actually just kind of really talk things out with people and I've seen you guys do it you've got several meetings going on at one time you've got people coming and going and and it works and that's the way you guys do things it's fascinating yep absolutely now, let's talk about distributors. 
do and I'm learning this as I as the more and more we get involved in the food business, if you will, because a lot of our clients are in the food business for the packaging that we sell. Now, in the food business, is that historically through distributors? I mean, do you is that kind of like if I was in the business, if you will, would you say to me you have to get a distributor? Or is there a way for somebody that's in the food business to bypass a distributor? Is there, I'm just give, asking for what's the pros and cons of having a distributor to even begin with. Yeah, no, you, I guess you don't necessarily have to have one. I mean, our business model uh, absolutely calls for distributors um, because somebody's got to make the deliveries to the stores. Sure. Um, and we're not in the trucking business. We're not in the warehousing business. Um, you know, we don't have our own warehouse uh, our products are at a public warehouse in New Jersey, which is very convenient for our customers uh, because they pick up other products there all the time. Um, but certainly there are other other companies, uh, food companies, that have decided that they want to ship their products uh, directly to retailers um, and bypass distributors. I think, you know, they'll, they'll ship products by UPS or FedEx. Um, and so it's, it's definitely doable. It's just a different business model. Um, but again, somebody's got to do the, the, the work Light of work the delivery. The world, right. Yeah. So, you know, right. whether it's, whether it's a distributor, um, or whether it's somebody that's, you know, manufacturing a product and then, uh, has decided that they either want to, uh, have their own truck and deliver it to stores or, um, you know, do the work of setting up, you know, FedEx, UPS deliveries, um, somebody's got to fulfill that transportation. Yeah, that's a good, that's actually a good point. Now, let me segue into that. Now, are you selling to major retailers or are you selling to independent stores, especially because you're dealing with such specialty products? Give us an idea of of where you're selling your products to, if you will. Yes, yeah, so um, we do sell to independents all over the U.S. Um, that's really kind of the core uh, business that we've built over the years, again, through distributors. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our distributor network, like I said earlier, is, is uh, great. Uh, and their customer network behind them uh, is, is fantastic as well. Uh, we do work with some chains like Whole Foods, Fresh Market, um, Tops, um, AJ's out in Arizona, sure. uh, some of the A&P banners, some of the Kroger banners. Um, so, you know, chains here and there, but, um, uh, but like I said, you know, the independent trade is really where our products, uh, will flourish. Um, because I think, I think the independent owner and operator, uh, has a little bit, uh, more time to spend educating, uh, the sure. consumer about our products, which is great. Yeah, and testing the products like you guys do at the fancy food, you know, try yep. this and test these flavors together or whatever. Oh, yep. man, we flew through this segment. We've got two minutes left, so I want to ask you, um, you had mentioned, and I want to make sure I just open the open the floor for you. You'd mentioned there's some new things that you guys are working on at Encore. Is there anything that you want to share about those? Do you have anything new and, a, new and exciting to kind of share with the audience? Yeah, sure. So uh, I mentioned that uh, this year we exhibited at the IDDBA food show for the first time because we, uh, we have launched a number of uh, products over the past year or two that have really focused uh, on the deli department of the, uh, of the grocery store. Uh, this week, actually, we just landed our first container of uh, Italian 
whole artichokes and Italian artichoke mm. halves grilled um, under our brand Francesca Di Monte. Uh, so that's uh, we're excited about that. Um, you know, that's an example of our customers asking us for uh, some products uh, that we were able to help them with. Um, we launched a new line of uh, Greek olives under our brand Olympos that come both in five-pound bags and um, also some unique packaging, a 30-gram shelf-stable grab-and-go pack. Uh, so there's approximately eight olives in a little bag. So for, uh, for a packaging guy, I think you would love this product. Absolutely, and the fact that you could kind of grab it and go, that's fantastic, man. Yeah, yep. So uh, those, we got. I can again. I could talk with you for hours. Um, a, a, I'm a I'm a foodie, but I'm a I'm a closet uh, uh, Boston um, fan. So go Red Sox, go Pats, go Bruins, go everything Boston. How about that? Hey folks, there you go. Jeremy is at Encore Foods. It's EncoreFoods.com, and Encore is at seven eight one seven four nine seven four nine one. Jeremy, once again, thanks. This has been a blast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And folks, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks once again to Jeremy from Encore Foods. And thanks to Jamie Berling, our executive producer, Winston Winnie Price. And thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, remember, it's your product, everybody. Package it properly. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week.